I just want to put out a little content warning before we begin today's episode. Sparklesig got a little filthy during today's episode, so if you're offended by foul language, please skip this episode until next week. If the idea still turns you on, darling, keep calm and carry on. Enjoy! Grab a turkey leg and a good book. It's time to get literary! On today's episode of Super Funkin' Serious, Sparkle Sid talks to Dave Karp, a writer living in the New York City area. We met each other in 2008 here in Chicago as students at Columbia College Chicago. Our friendship lives on in history as one of the most life-changing friendships of my life. As students, we fell in love with the books that made us the people who we are today, and we wanted to share those with you, dear listeners. On today's episode, we cheeky chat about our top favorite books, favorite authors, we shared stories, we reminisced, and it got a little filthy. Dave is another free spirit that I am glad to have as a friend, and I hope you enjoyed this episode as we reminisce and cheeky chat, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Enjoy, darlings! So I have the brilliant Dave Carp on the line. Hello. Um, hello, David. How are you? Hello. Hello, Sid. I can't complain. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing well. You know, I just have my tambourine out. Um, I like I'm it. ready for whatever happens. So we're good to go, you know? <laughs> nice. Nice. I hope you use that tambourine today. I hope so. I, I think I think we'll have to get it out at the end and just, yeah, we'll have, we'll, we'll talk about politics and we'll talk about how much it's going to be a brand new day. And I think that's when it's going to come out. Nice. Right? <laughs> nice. Break into the uh, whiz number. I can't wait. <laughs> exactly oh my gosh i am so excited that you're on i haven't talked to you i don't think physically talked to you in like a long ass time it's been so a while. like it's been a little it's while. Been a while i'm thinking yeah. like i'm yeah i'm thinking a long time <laughs> at least compared to like what how long we've lived you know what i mean it feels like it's a long time yes but well we've lived anyways a while. Did, uh yeah so dave we used to see we met in like 2008 2008 yeah we met when at a, we went met at to a Columbia, in the middle of the night. We went to Columbia, Chicago. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the exact moment that we met? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, so we were uh, we were in the park. It sounded dirty. Well, we, were, we were in a park mm. uh, when we there met. There were no bushes, dear listeners, by no the way. Bushners. There were no bushes there. Uh, none whatsoever. <laughs> so it just looked like two worms fighting each other. Uh, just kidding. But um, <laughs> uh, so uh, we were... Uh, there was a big like uh, movie in the park. It was they were playing Grease, and I think you were there with your oh, it RA. Was mm-hmm. Oh, you were there with your RA, and I was walking okay, around. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we ran into each other. Well, I guess we had the same RA because we lived on the same floor. So I think we just met right, during yeah, that like that that event. I guess one would call it and. Yeah, and then just and before and before you begin, I want to paint a picture for you, dear listeners. We used to live on the same floor. It was the twenty seventh of twenty eight floors, mm-hmm. and there were only three elevators for all the residences. And this was like a like a building that owned by the the college. So they had uh, resident assistants, RAs, which is what we're referring to. Mm-hmm. I don't remember her name. I remember she had like a like a little like uh, side mullity kind of thing. Amanda. 
her name was Amanda. Was it Amanda? I it think was it was. Amanda. Yeah, yeah. She was re- she was fairly chill. I, she was really nice. I remember Very hanging chill. out with her in her apartment. Mm-hmm. But yeah, sometimes those elevators would go down, and we have to. I'd have to cr- bring up groceries from Target, twenty-seven <laughs> fl- stairs, yep. flights of stairs. <laughs> I don't miss Ugh. that. Yeah, that's. Oh uh, my gosh, that was a nightmare. Yeah, why even go to the gym at that point? <laughs> yeah. So so we were uh, so we went to a movie at the park. We saw Grease, mm-hmm. and then do you remember the one when we exchanged? hellos for the first time uh, there was at the it was at the park you all were sitting down you were with that guy matt do you remember matt uh oh he was my old roommate from yeah that time, yeah, right? yeah 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 the one who played video games a lot yes that one right <laughs> yes, ah. yes, yes yes uh so that was cool and then uh i think we just kind of hit it off that day because i think we went back to amanda's apartment and uh we were all just hanging out and i think we we're all just talking and yeah we just clicked and then went all downhill mm-hmm. from there. <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's funny I mean, because last, uh, last week I found literally all the dance videos that we did. Yes. We did dance videos, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. I okay. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about this. Yeah. Let's talk about this time. So, uh, we hung out quite a bit, like maybe Friday, Saturday nights. Cause you know, it was after classes, you know, oh, yeah. what were you stuck? By the way, what were you studying at the time? At the time, I was a musical theater major. Mm. And then I switched into writing about three years into uh, into college. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very so. cool. Yeah. I think, and I think I was doing like interior design, which you sure kind were. Of looks the way it is right now. But, uh, you know, it's so funny. I did that on and off. And then I ended up just graduating with a degree. And, you know, it's been hit or miss since then. But I mean, I, you know, we, we, we all, Not that right. it's so, it's so funny. I think, I, I think the reason why we got along so much is because we kind of knew what we wanted to do. We wanted, we knew we wanted to do something mm-hmm. creatively, but we didn't know what. So like, we were trying to like, I was kind of like going into different degree programs to test out to see what I wanted to do. And then what's funny is what I graduated in ends up being something right now on podcasting of all things. Like I never thought I would be like, I should just go, you know, it's really funny. It takes me back to like high school when I go to like, uh, when I, when I go back to the time that I actually like was like looking into what I wanted to do for the rest of my life before mm-hmm. college, like high school senior. And I wanted, there was a moment where I wanted to be a game show host and I was like set dead wow. set on that career. Okay. Okay. And guess what? Pre-show for you dave carp is uh-huh. game show themes playing i am holding a microphone i am you know i, I sparkles everywhere like mm-hmm. this is like game show almost game show host central right now and can you believe <laughs> that like i should have just i should you know the funny thing is i should have just stuck with my gut but you know what i had to learn and fail at thir- many things to learn this but yeah. i think the fact i think i think the reason why we got along so well is because we were we were willing to try things even if it was just a little bit at a time oh yeah just just to try it out, you know, like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, like a whole, whole bunch of stuff. But like, yeah, let's, let's go back to these videos. Cause we were having fun, you know, learn, you, I was, I was, I was playing the music that I learned. Um, so one of my favorite people right now is Cynthia Williams. She is the oh, lead nice. singer of this really amazing song. You will associate this song with a, um, with a, a female white blonde singer oh, I know because they reappropriated about. her. Cynthia Williams was the lead singer of a really fun song called Funky Town. And that is a song that we did together. I remember. <laughs> yes, it uh, sure was. Rem- <laughs> we're going to talk about it. It's, uh, no, it's inevitable. But, um, 
one of the first big memories we have together, I think. Yeah, one of the first big memories I have of us together. I, I, I vaguely remember meeting you. I think I remember, now that you mentioned the Greece thing, I was like, oh yeah, that's right. I think I remember Crown Fountain as well. I think we even splashed in the fountain in Millennium Park as well. I think I remember that part. Yes, yes, uh, Buckingham. Yeah, and this is one of the first things that I actually remember so like um anyways so i was recreating so we were we were basically lip syncing to funky town and we're and i think recording on your webcam like mm -hmm. these fun musical videos we you know did dancing queen by abba i think um mm -hmm. and i was recreating the mama mia choreography and uh <laughs> i love to recreate choreography you will learn this uh ever, dear listeners you already know this because you watch my closet concerts um you know i can't lip sync but at least i can dance right yeah dance. Okay. anyways <laughs> um i i love to be inspired by people that are quirky and the quirk that quirky person on the can't, the, on on those TV performances was this white girl. So I was doing this little like shaky shaky moment, which is like I think the first moment that I like shimmied on camera. <laughs> you know, sort of. I was there for it first. Y'all heard that. Now, dear listeners, if you watch the video, you will see it coming in the moment coming in the. I shouldn't say that. That's kind of dirty. Oh. But, uh, you will see the moment. Yeah, you will see the moment coming. Please. You will see the you will see the moment culminate into mm, that can be mm, that can go another way that too. Word. Um, yeah, I know exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> oh my god, uh, Gabriel, insert the uh, the content warning at the beginning of the episode. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> um, so we both came. And uh, yeah. <laughs> no, no, I did not. Um, I said, yeah, then said no. <laughs> Just have to clarify, dear listeners. No, so we're lip syncing. We're lip syncing to Funky Town. Uh, -huh. uh, we get we get to the point where well, I talk about it, and you see Dave kind of like with like a little like um like evil look in his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> He's like walking like a robot, like you know how, how you should when you're listening to funk when you're dancing the funky town. Exactly. Beautiful. Beautiful. I wasn't stopping him. I wasn't had didn't have to direct him. <laughs> never do. <laughs> um never need to, yeah. Um you do your own thing. Which is what he did. He ended up kind of get he kind of get it got a little close to me, swung one of his legs and kicked me in the nuts. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Pause for laughter. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and and uh, kind of bounced away after that. Yeah. And then I, yeah, I think I remember uh, like, like trying to play it off. I don't think we ever finished the song, did we? I think we have like one and a half no. minutes of the song well, recorded. Yeah. No, I remember we, we, you tried <laughs> to play remember. it off. And you were bouncing uh, around in the camera. Yes, yes, I was like, I was like, I was like grabbing myself and like bouncing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, ow, ow. I pretend like I was. I pretend like it was hurting. Like, look, luckily, dear listeners. Okay. Oh, this is so bad. I hope I hope my parents are listening. But my junk is okay. He didn't hit me directly there. He hit me kind of like on the side of the leg, but it did kind of like hurt a little bit. Um, Grazed it. So <laughs> It was a grace. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was grazing the fields. <laughs> yeah. So um that's a that's my earliest memory of of hanging out with Dave. Um, yep. Unfortunately, <laughs> you're not the first one to say that. Do you have any other fun moments from us hanging out? Oh my god, how many do I have? Well <laughs> I got uh well one of the you know, when you, you mentioned the fail, try, fail again kind of thing, we all were always willing to try things. And one of the big memories I have is when we went out to St. Louis to do that DJ 
Mm-hmm. That was kind of an eye-opening trip for me. And yeah, I How so? um because well, a little backstory. You were you were doing your DJ thing at the time. Mm-hmm. And yep. we were just failed DJ, to... by the way, everyone. Sparkle said, <laughs> look me up. I'm still on Mixcloud. I found this out the other day. Someone had asked <laughs> about my not. DJ. Career. Are you really? J E D, yeah, J E D underscore I. Cloud.com. <laughs> all of the, all the mixed things are there. I love, I actually have them on my computer still. I love them. Oh I, there's some God. that I'm like, but there were some really good ones. Like I made one on su- the Super Bowl. I hated the Super Bowl. So out of spite, I made a mixtape that night and I called it Blow Purse, which was a, anagram of so <laughs> anyway side note um Can you tell us what a blow purse is uh no it's an anagram for super bowl but what i is just thought it'd be funny because i don't know it didn't make sense that's why i thought it was funny because i think the super bowl doesn't make sense Oop, too much Ooh. information you know what um nfl if you want to sponsor somebody that is doing amazing things in this world You've got someone right here. There right, you go. There you go. There you go. <laughs> the official you podcast go. of the NFL. Yeah. yeah, I love it. So yeah, we went to St. Louis, and you experienced some things. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of things. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I did. <laughs> Sorry, um, <laughs> I was at, I was there doing my DJ thing, and then um, you, yeah. Uh, th- this wasn't the first time. I don't think we were in St. Louis together. I think we. I went to visit you a few times, like when you went back home. I feel like I I was definitely in St. Louis mm-hmm. multiple times, and it would have not been with anyone else but you. But uh, mm-hmm. but what yeah, are the times? I don't I don't remember those times. So that's really funny. Yeah, I have pictures. Don't worry. <laughs> well, we went to go see uh, Tiff Merritt. Remember that? That was the first. Oh yeah, she was at Off Broadway. Off oh, Broadway, that was the same area. Yeah. We always walked by that place when we were. Remember, we went. To, so uh, when I had my DJ gig, we had went to that. Let, was it let, no, it was near the Lemp Mansion. We were, it was near the Lemp Mansion. We walked right past we it. We stayed at a yeah. We stayed at a bed and breakfast nearby there, and oh God, um, we walked did. to the venue, and we walked by that venue that we saw Tiff Merritt at. Yeah, and my parents were there. Oh my gosh! Shout out to mm-hmm. Pam and Bruce. Yay. Holla. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that was the first time I got. Uh, I also uh, the openers David Wax Museum. I still listen to them on like a weekly basis, and I learned about oh, them from that concert. Them. Yeah. You know, they have been recommended to me on my Spotify recently, and oh I was like, God. that name sounds familiar. Now that you mm-hmm. say that, oh, now that's where it is. I've seen them before. Yeah. I, I remember seeing them live for the first time. I was absolutely enthralled. I have all their albums, and uh, I went to go see them a few years later at the uh, the School of Folk Music in Chicago, and it was such a good concert. People would get up and start dancing oh, with yeah. them. Yeah. So uh, definitely a lot of good memories in St. Louis, but uh, we... Ended up, uh, so Sid was doing his DJ thing, and uh, we did, what was the place called? I know it was right on Cherokee Street, but the, oh, the venue that we DJ'd did the ven- the gig at, uh, mm-hmm. uh, it was called I think Blank Space yep. because the whole idea of their branding, yeah, the whole idea of their branding was that they were a blank space for people who wanted to use a venue, and they let you they let you use the venue for free, yeah, that for free. And you just had to promote it yourself, do all the work. You know, it was hard to promote when you're outside of the city. So, of course, yeah. we didn't have too many people come. But we, my dad was very generous in helping us with some sound equipment. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and I, I, it was a fun time, though. It kind of just felt like we were hanging out in our base in our in like a basement yeah. apartment or something, you know. And that's basically what it was. It was like in the basement of the venue. And they had like yeah. a gallery at the space and stuff like that. So, yeah, it was it was a good time though. But do you remember? Do you have any uh, memories of 
experiencing the people that we met on Cherokee Street over there? Yeah. So, uh, you know, we, and I still have a bookmark from this place. We'd walk around Cherokee pretty frequently. We went to, uh, we went to this one bookstore with the cat in it. I don't remember the name, but you probably do. It's on the corner of one place over there in Cherokee. We went there a few times. And I remember really loving it over there. You know, the owner was there. We'd always talk. And the cat would be just wandering around. And So I remember that. Oh, my God. I remember there was a cafe over there that yeah, we went to. Yeah, I remember to. that place. But I don't remember the, I don't remember the I name. Don't remember, but... man, I can't for the life of me. I do remember by like last like <clears throat> my last maybe my last year there I experienced Cherokee Street for the first time and then multiple times after because I had started to gain friends there and just mm-hmm. meet the people that lived around the area mm-hmm. and they were also full of creative like uh shout out oh, if yeah. you're listening Kristen Davis Kristen Davis was the lead singer of a bunch of bands in the city she was uh, she's probably still there she was working at one of the bakeries on that street um, and then she ended up opening a um, a bar with some friends they had bought this space on Cherokee Street that had been empty for many years and they're like it was cheap by the time they got it so they're like well let's open a bar in a community tavern and when they were peeling off the paint they found an old sign from one of its previous establishments names and mm-hmm. they named it that I think it was called like the Oh, I don't remember, but it was a pub and it was super Ooh, cute. And that's cool. um, I do remember that. I think we, I think we might've went, I don't remember. I, you, I remember I a bakery. I definitely remember. Yeah. Like it was like, yeah, yeah. It was like the coffee shop and stuff. And yep. yeah, there's lots of great coffee shops there. Yeah. Cherokee and Jefferson. Um, if you're in St. Louis, go check that area out. Yeah. It's probably much wilder than I, it mm. could be like, it's probably like Wicker Park now, and if you're if you're from, if you're familiar with Wicker Park in Chicago, it's kind of, it's like Wicker Park's becoming more gentrified. It's probably at that level now, but it was a great like it was still kind of raw, but still like fresh and fun. And I loved that area. And I'm yeah. surprised, like it was one of the reasons. If I had known about Cherokee Street earlier on, I probably could have stayed a little longer. <laughs> but I get that. you know, moving to Chicago, yeah. But moving to Chicago was, I think, a good choice because I met a lot more creatives. I, I was also able to find my own community in a way that I couldn't in St. Louis. So that's kind of one of the, one of the fun things. And that's when I met you, Dave. Yeah. And, yeah. um, I had that funkiness then that I, we both kind of gravitate to at times, you know, it's, yeah. uh, and, and that's something I definitely looked at though. I remember a lot of thrift stores there too, which we had a lot of fun like going through. It just, it felt very much, I guess you would equate it to like the village here in the city in, uh, here in New York where I am. Mm. Um, and, um, yeah, it was just, I always remember just having, this kind of energy, this creative, but still like grungy and raw energy. And I always loved going there when I came to visit you. It was, it was, it was one of my favorite places there. Like, yeah. And just to, uh, yeah, just to keep the timeline clear for you, dear listeners. So uh, we, we went to school together and then I think uh, I moved away. I finished my degree in St. Louis and at Maryville university. Holla. I'm actually getting, I'm actually, I'm actually getting a couple, a couple guests from Maryville that I really admire and want to highlight people that not people. I there. Yeah. I'm just really excited. So I want, I want to go back to my past a little bit in the next season of uh, super funkin slash yet to be titled second season um i'm really excited about yeah dave knows about it i uh we we talked about it off camera for a little bit or off microphone for a little bit so um Mm -hmm. i'm really excited for the changes yeah we're gonna put the video as your uh intro for every episode i think you talked about right i can't wait and that part's good and that part's gonna gonna be repeated over and over (laughs) (laughs) just that part not the entire thing just like just a little like two second clip <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> oh my god it's just like we've never like we never stopped talking <laughs> i love it which is mostly laughter basically when i mean talking i mean laughter we just laughed a lot <laughs> a lot of laughing a lot of laughing yeah yeah so like shortly after i graduated i moved back to chicago we i moved yeah, and I moved into the same building that you lived in with your old roommate, Mark. Mark. Was it Mark? Mm-hmm. It was Mark. Over at... Um, I remember yeah, that. Yeah, it was Mark. Okay. I was try- trying Over to at Cornelia. Remember. Yeah, Cornelia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was in the heart of Boys Town. It was very homosexual. We were like... a. We were half a block away from Hydrate, so it was really loud during market days. But other than that, mm-hmm. it was good. Oh, yeah. And I'm I have Steve some fond memories of that. Like, well, anyway, so. Steamworks. No comment. Um, <laughs> I'm laughing over whatever you just said. I think I know what you said, but I'm going to laugh over that. I got a couple of laughter. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, Awkward so, laughing. <laughs> um, They've all yeah, been to Steamworks. Oh, my gosh. I I work out I worked out there. Um, <laughs> um, no, um, I'm sure you uh, did. So uh, so at Cornelia, we ended up uh, moving in together into my existing apartment because I think your your um, your lease was up, and you're like, oh, like we made the weird thing decision to just move in together. I just showed up. <laughs> and I just we showed up, up in one the living room one day and. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you were there. You were already, you're already in the building. I was like, why not? He already probably had it. He probably knew how to get in without having a key anyway. So might as well get yeah. in. <laughs> sure a lot of people knew how to do that, to be honest with you. Didn't that building? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it wasn't, it wasn't the best time of my life, but it was, it was a good formation, formative time to come back. No, it really was. It really was because like, you know, I got to, I got to experience Boys Town, like living in it. And it was kind of fun to be mm-hmm. in the area, you know, just to kind of, um, you know, just get more comfortable with right. being in my own skin and being a part of a community that were similar to me. It was really a eye-opening experience, and I think that's a good first-time neighborhood. But it's getting so expensive that it's it you'll have to move after the first year. Oh I feel like because yeah. you'll start and you also start to find there's better there's more diversity in the city as far as the gay the queer community goes, um, different subcultures and genres and people you know and that there's different neighborhoods where queer people are accepted like up here in edgewater slash andersonville slash you know it's 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 pretty great um but i wanted that part was kind of fun we did remember i have some fond memories though of cordelia oh yeah um where uh the when we during market days, uh, our back patio faced one of the stages, and we got to so we didn't have to go down and pay to get in. We just no. sat on our on our back patio, listen listen through the trees. Uh, let's see, you who, could see who, the who, stage. Who, you could see, see the, the stage. stage. Yeah, I remember. Um, we saw um, oh, Aaron Carter oh, and Olivia Newton John oh, yeah. one year. Aaron Carter. Yeah, I think I missed Olivia. Olivia, which I was so sad because I, I Olivia, darling, are you? If you're listening, I want to get on you on the show and talk to you about your battle cancer i really think that's beautiful i, th- I think that's the thing people need mm. to know about but yeah. seriously not. and xanadu of course let's anyways yeah uh, <laughs> it all comes around it always comes down to xanadu i feel like in my life you know i feel like i've mentioned the i just have to like uh, now in every episode i feel like i have to believe you know do the obligatory xanadu reference yeah. so Zan- actually oh that's um that's funny that we mentioned xanadu because it might come up again later um, <laughs> i think i saw it for the first time with you probably uh-huh. yeah i've introduced yeah. a lot of people movie and i wouldn't be surprised i've I've introduced you to a lot of things actually that reminds me um so 
after I had moved away, I moved away uh, shortly after Cornelia um, back to St. Louis as, as usual. And then you had moved, I think, right before I moved away as well. Yeah, back literally. To, back to Jersey. Um, since then, what have you been up to? Oh, my God. Well, uh, you know, <laughs> I've just been I've been doing my day job stuff, just managing. You know, I'm in I'm in the uh, restaurant industry. So uh, that has its challenges as well. You know, eventually I moved up to becoming a manager. And uh, I knew I always wanted to end up in New York City. So I actually work at a huge a huge roastery over there and um mm. i've just been like following that and just you know being in the city and so when i'm not at my day job i still do a lot of writing i actually went to school for writing as john knows uh i graduated with a fiction writing degree which again the degree has its ups and downs but um you know it's uh yeah it's been a trip and you know uh during this whole quarantine thing i actually finished a uh about a 45 page novelette is what you call it. So I've just been editing that throughout the last month, and hopefully I'm going to get that out there pretty soon. Uh, I don't know what platform yet, but it is going to be released. And uh, I've really started to fall in love with short stories, so I've just been trying to read more of those. You actually gave me a short story book for, I think it was for one of my birthdays. It was Kurt Vonnegut. Mm-hmm. Was it... Uh... It was probably either Welcome to the Monkey House. Yep, I think that that's it. it. Actually. That's it. I, 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 that's the only one I remember, and that's probably the I had to minute. I loved, I took a, a class in high school. I was blessed to have a really interesting progressive, uh, sort of progressive public school, high school. Mm-hmm. And they they had a couple offerings where you could go and take a class just on Kurt Vonnegut, Kurt Vonnegut books. <laughs> Who now? Vonnegut. Vonnegut. <laughs> That guy. That guy. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to the late Kurt, darling. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, I I loved. I I also took a John Grisham class as well. Um, I didn't like that? it as much because obviously it's, it was interesting. I was just not a fan of like the literary. Like I I like fiction. I did. Mm-hmm. I really loved reading about the lawyer's point of view, but I don't think that's a necessary thing for people to know about because it's predominantly white people to be honest yeah, and yeah the one the one book that i did have i still love to this day is the street lawyer which is about um i think pro bono pro, yes did i say that right pro bono pro bono oh pro bono work there's an r at the end i think no there's not um, <laughs> i was trying to avoid that <laughs> this it's the british way of say, it's the it's the british way of saying that saying it how about that um, <laughs> Or the Mid-Atlantic. How about that? (laughs) (laughs) The (laughs) Mid-Atlantic. Oh, my God. Just so you know, dear listeners, the Mid-Atlantic accent was like the quote-unquote neutral accent that Hollywood actors and actresses learned in like the early part of like the old like 40s of Hollywood. It was like, like really like it was very British anyways. Um, But (laughs) I thought was funny. I thought America was trying to be anti-British. But oh, well. Anyways, um. Yeah, so the street lawyer was—it was a really uh, fascinating look at that kind of work of doing it for charity and for the love of it. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that kind of humanized the experience more for me. So I do love that book, but um, compared to the Kurt Vonnegut book, uh, Kurt Vonnegut, cl- <laughs> Kurt Vonnegut class, <laughs> I I really enjoyed that one because his his yeah his words were very playful and very mm-hmm. fun, and that's something that I still exude to this day <laughs> no seriously i do i yeah. it's one of my one of my brand goals my brand vision 
values is playfulness. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's kind of, I think that's honestly, now that I think about it, it's probably one of the earliest times that I've actually like experienced being playful in a creative sense. So Interesting. thank you, Kurt Vonnegut. We're, ah, that's yeah. darling. You're, the, you're in heaven. Um, we love you. He was also very socially conscious, which yeah. um, I've I read. Um, have you ever read God Bless You, Mr. Rosewater? Yeah, it's been a while since I've read a lot of those books. But yeah, I think mm-hmm. I, I remember her reading it like shortly after high school. So they actually made it here in the city. They made it. Uh, well, not made it. It was actually one of Alan Menken's first musicals, mm. which a lot of people don't know about. And and I'm, you know who Alan Menken is, I'm sure, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I do. I was trying to think. I mm-hmm. think they touched upon the musical in the... There's a documentary on Disney Plus called Howard about Howard Ashman, and he, he wrote oh. a lot with Alan Menken. No, I, I think it was both. Ashman wrote it too. I think it was one of those two. Those two's like first musicals. Yeah. Oh yeah, I think they yeah they well obviously they wrote it together. Um, mm-hmm. I think that was one of their earliest things. And that's what brought them on the radar for to work with Disney and the rest is hi- history. And I love that. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And it all comes down to the idea of how magical and amazing books are in telling stories mm-hmm. and creating a legacy for those authors. You know, oh um, yeah. Kurt Vonnegut, Kurt Vonnegut is sadly not with us, but his books still are and that's an mm-hmm. amazing thing so let's all think about the what we're creating in this world to move on um in your case dave you are writing you're writing mm-hmm. short book you're sh- writing short fiction short stories you're sh- short fiction yes like i um so the novel that i created i kind of envision it with a few other short stories i'm working on to kind of theme around uh, to just have a certain theme and they're going to have uh, they're going to be together in a book I hope and uh, just kind of like a novelette slash short story collection but not a lot of people write novelettes it's kind of a rare thing I mean the novella wise I think the most famous one would be the strange case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde which is a very mm-hmm. short short work but I mean to this day it still is one of the greatest you know works in literary history so yeah, I'm I'm looking at trying to create like this, you know, piece of work with a bunch of shorter works, and it's about uh, kind of being disillusioned and disenfranchised with not only the world around you but the world within you. And a lot of my characters are trying to kind of figure out what's going on with that and how they can kind of find themselves again. Basically, mm-hmm. uh, I write a lot about redemption, and I read a lot of uh, short or not short fiction just, but fiction in general about uh, the redemption and, and just stuff like that because I've always find the human condition very interesting. And uh, yeah, that's kind of what I want to write about. I love fiction. Like Vonnegut wrote about stuff like that. You know, even more popular authors like Stephen King wrote a lot of stuff like that. So that's kind of where my work leans to. So you must have a lot of books that you find inspiring your current work i do so how about and i did this is what we came here for right how about we go through our top three favorite books or books that we think people would appreciate and want and should know about or and or books that have inspired us
Squiggle Monsters Got You Down, Need a Little Pick Me Up for Your Rainy Day, check out the fabulous items we have in our online shop. We've got collages, we've got custom scratch prints, we'll even take your photo on a Game Boy camera. At Vicarious Media, we have something for the eccentric personality in your family. Shop vicariously at vicariousmedia.com forward slash shop. That's vicariousmedia.com forward slash shop. Shall we begin, David, darling? Let's do it. Let's do this up. I am ready. I did my homework. All righty. I never did Um, in school. First, let's start with, um, I didn't really give you like a specific criteria for choosing the, the three books that you wanted to talk about, mm-hmm. but do you have a specific criteria for how you decide, how you decided on those three? I, I looked at it from like a reader and a writer standpoint. So they're not only books that have inspired me, but I also, uh, not just because of storytelling, but because of the way they're written, because of the craft itself. Uh, because from a writer mm-hmm. standpoint, you're always looking for craft. With my kind of writing, I'm always looking for narrative. So mm-hmm. uh, that's kind of what I based it on, like books that people could like as a reader or as a writer, you know. So that's my criteria. Yeah. Well, I'll I'll, I'll divulge mine. Um, so I chose books that were pinnacle to the formation of Sparkle Sid. So a lot of my books are, most of my books are from my childhood and inspired things about Sparkle Sid that are currently still active so i'm really excited to share those with you dear listeners and with you dave i don't know if you would be familiar with any of them because i don't i don't know if there are any of them that relate directly to our experiences together but mm-hmm. um i'm really excited to make that happen so i'm excited shall we begin with our first one let's do it awesome how about you go first since you are the guest of honor sure totally so i've got kama sutra oh, oh wait i'm sorry that's the wrong book not, not that one. Um, oh. Sorry, that was a wrong. That's definitely list. not something we did together. <laughs> that was that was <laughs> that was the wrong list. My bad. Uh, <laughs> so I'm going to start with one that's a little lesser known, I think, but it's by one of the biggest authors in fiction, in my opinion. So my first one I picked is Goodbye Columbus. Okay, and what's it about? So it's about these two kids from Jersey, one in uh, Newark, which is kind of, you know, more working class. And this girl, and she's from Short Hills, which is a very upper class kind of part of Jersey. And it's about their romance together. And when I first read it, like, obviously, okay, I I grew up in Jersey. So a lot of the kind of the locations and the narrative is very Jersey based. And that was really cool to like have someone represent my state. Uh, because I mean, Jersey gets a bad rap sometimes, let's be honest. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think it's one of the best literary places any writer could ever write about. So if you're from Jersey, any one of these listeners, be proud of yourself. Why do you think Jersey gets a bad rap? I think just because, well, Jersey Shore didn't help. You know, there's that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're all from Long Island, by the way. So that's all New mm. York. So you want to, you know, take back my state yeah. here. We gave True. you Bruce Springsteen. We gave you Bon Jovi. We gave you Danny DeVito. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. take that. Yeah, I got to say, though, <laughs> and, oh, and uh, oh, my God, people from Jersey put have the best uh, 
host wedding dance parties, by the way. I've I've experienced two with Dave, and We're they lit. are lit. Oh, especially the homosexual ones. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say it that mm-hmm. way, but <laughs> no, seriously, when, uh, <laughs> you those homosexuals. No, <laughs> no, when, <laughs> no, when, when uh, <laughs> No, when uh, when Devin got married, I was canceled. That when, when uh, oh, man, but when we, when we went to uh, Pasadena for uh, Devin's wedding, yep. I was I remember like they they must have taken notes from um uh what was your stepbrother's name the first one that got married in the Rory. art gallery in Phoenix, Rory, Rory got married. Um, they did it pretty well. They did they did a good job. But I think Devin was taking notes. They're like, all right, they play. They should have played these songs only, and they did. And that like. The dance floor was packed like almost a hundred percent. Oh yeah. I mean, granted, I, I granted I started some of that party, but yeah, I, right, I will take credit for that. But if you all don't so know, humble. Sid can trash up the dance floor like I've never <laughs> seen in my fucking life. Yeah. And my family still yeah. asks about you. You're Johnny D to them. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I love love to dance. I still do. It's just a huge factor. Um, but yeah, I love I almost love to perform form for people it's really weird so i think that's also another reason why i'm like i have to be a performer too so (laughs) it kind of works out that way but yeah i will attest to the fact that jersey does not get its its credit um i think also because it's also becoming a viable place to live now because it's becoming the like secondary place where people who work in the city of new york city where they commute from so that's the thing as well and you also you used to live in Orange, which I think you had mentioned. You used to see Manhattan from your bedroom yeah. window or something. So there was a there's a cliff that we used to hang out at in Jersey because uh, where I grew up, we kind of grew up in a valley. So you have two mountains, and one valley would just look at some stupid town, and then the other valley, uh, <laughs> you go, you, sorry, you go up to a mountain. Hey, Shabbat be named. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you go up on the other side of the valley and you're on top of a cliff and the cliff overlooks uh manhattan and you can see the city lights mm-hmm. there i mean i remember during 9 11 you could see the smoke there which was really cool not cool but mm-hmm. um it was it was insane it was uh so uh yeah you were you would always you know everyone in jersey when they're younger wants to get out of jersey but then uh for some reason, it just pulls you right back in. You know, there is a, and I think, and that's why I like this book so much, to be honest with you, because, you know, it did take me a long time to really understand New Jersey, but there's definitely this, like, romantic vibe to it that I, you know, not a lot of people see, but I I definitely do. And you can hear that in, like, in this book, you can hear that in, like, music, like from Bruce Springsteen, Bon Jovi, uh, Frankie Valley uh, actually lives in my town, uh, which is cool. So, like, it's uh, Jersey's got its own magic to it. I mean, and it, it's that working class magic, and that's something I kind of always kind of gravitated or felt very close to. You know, growing up working a lot of working class jobs myself, so I take a lot of pride in that. So, whenever I I read about something that takes place in Jersey, I always it always kind of brings a special little thing to my heart like a like a smile in within your heart mm-hmm. and um i think that's uh and a lot of my writing is going to take place in jersey because you know it is a perfect setting for a lot of storytelling 
And one of the big things in Jersey, too, is that there's a lot of folklore. So uh, if you're into, like, horror writing or, like, just, like, folk tales and stuff like that, New Jersey has its own Americana. And, um, you know, we have the Jersey Devil. Uh, we have Weird New Jersey. Like, there's a lot of storytelling to be done here. And I take a lot of pride in that. There's a there's a kind of, like, vivaciousness that people from Jersey live with and that something that I admire that I, I don't know what it is. It's almost like, it's like we're American, but we're also doing our own thing. So mm-hmm. it's like, rather than being like one part of the American pie, they're trying to ha- have their own identity and find it in their lo- location. And I think that's why people from the state stick together, I think, or at least they know. And, and if you haven't been to, like I said, haven't been to a wedding where Bruce Springsteen has been played, where most like 90% of the people are from Jersey, you haven't lived yet. I'm no. not going to lie. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Absolutely not. And that was, Ooh. those were some dancing times. I mean, that's the one thing, oh like, God. I got to give you credit for this, Sid. I think the first time I felt comfortable stepping out on a dance floor was one of the times we hung out. And um, it was actually when we went to uh it was a band you introduced me to i think they were called disco biscuits or something like that horse, that sounds horse yeah. meets disco oh yeah so horse meet disco yeah it was a collective in london that mm-hmm. played disco music so it was yeah it was like three djs that they still do it i think um yeah oh my god and we went to their show um it was under it was under uh the, the venue right near uh wrigley field yeah it was met it was uh the met- uh, under the Metro, yeah. Yes, 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 yeah. yes. And oh my god, I remember that was like the first time I think I actually really felt okay dancing. It's really funny that you mentioned that because, uh, so I'm probably ruining the con. Well, by the time by the time this uh is posted, it'll be posted on Instagram. But I was looking through some uh, every Thursday I post a Throwback Thursday in coordination with the guest, and I actually found some pictures from that night of us dancing really and i was really yeah they're very blurry i because there was a photo of me that i liked (laughs) so i but i saved them all at the same time could you send them so uh oh yeah totally i'll also post them and tag you as well there's one of me that that i really love of course but there's some that are like they're very blurry they're not the best photos of us but they show that we're dancing and having a good time there's even a uh if you if you look closely in the photo of just myself you can see you pointing at me because we are we are going back and forth and like vibing off each other so yeah i can def- i can definitely <laughs> attest to the good time that was a great time and also i think we had to leave early because i worked super early and i was so yeah. sad because like it was getting it was starting to get it was starting to get more crowded and like the energy was starting to become more lively and i was like oh i wanted to like experience that uh, that moment i felt when i went to the uh eagle in london and just have all those people you know, having a great time, you know, it was just that, that idea of having community together, which is something that I didn't really find until much later in life, which is why I attuned to my own books. Um, We'll start with mine. One of my first ones. Oh no. Oh, it's backwards on the camera. (laughs) The little prince. This is why I wrote this, which is why I put your initials back. I was going to say, is that my initial? Little Easter eggs for my guests, dear darlings. You won't know what I'm talking about. Little inside joke now. (laughs) I love Um, that. So in high school, uh, for French class, I had to read a few books in French. And one was Le Petit Prince by 
Antoine de Santa Zuccarelli. I think I said that entirely wrong, Ooh, but that's okay. It sounded good. It's called The Little Prince. It was a children's book, but it was also made for adults, which is a really rare thing to have. Um, so it was really easy to read in French. It was also easy to translate in our minds. So we could, so th there was no like flowery language. It was very straightforward. So it's about this prince that isn't who lives in space. He has his own spaceship, and it, and it's in a, a galaxy where there's like a bajillion different planets, wow. and everyone owns their own planet. Like everyone owns their own planet, kind of like America does. You know how everyone owns their own land and mm -hmm. tries to keep in their own place. The oh. little prince, uh, theirs crashes on one landing and uh, lands on one one of the moons, I think, of one planet, and then he starts to meet all these characters who are very adult. You know, like there's an accountant who's very mathematical. He's got numbers and and the little prince is like, I don't get it. Why are you so why are you what are you worried about? You know, because he's crunching numbers the entire time he's talking to him, mm -hmm. you know, and and it there's various lessons within the book that the with through the people that he meets that show that show ways that you can fall to society and lose that adolescent feeling that, you know, that naivety that that curiosity so like growing up yeah before yeah it's that moment that you you realize hey i need to grow up and the people that mm. the little prince encounters have already grown up and they've done they're doing their own thing you know there's a fox wow. um that that um that in the movie version there was a movie they made um mm. bob fossey plays the fox and he's just dancing all over the place which i love oh, <laughs> I love bob wow. fossey. oh, oh bob fossey. Um, but it's really good it's very simple like there's a um there's a there's a moment at the very beginning where I'm gonna see if I can try to show this to you. At the very bottom of the page, it kind of look. What do you think that bottom picture looks like? It looks like a ant hill. So or a lot a of people, uh, yeah, a lot of people in the book uh, that so the little prince drew that, um, oh. but he said when he told people he would tell people that is a cat in a hat. But the oh. thing is, the hat is not showing. The reason why is because it's being covered up. Oh, I'm sorry. It was an elephant in a hat. So oh, there's the elephant oh. in the, inside the hat. Oh, so like stuff like that, little things like that of thinking about life, like just really resonated with me that I, it's been one of my favorite books to this day. As a matter of fact, I gave this book out during, uh, in a gift bag for a, um, on my birthday, I had people come over. I like mm -hmm. three people come over and nice. virtually, um, to watch me perform a one-person show <laughs> and as a thank you i um as a thank you i put this book in there because it i think it's i think it gives really interesting lessons to adults especially mm -hmm. about living with that curiosity and that um using create even if it, even if you're still being an accountant for example you know you're using creative ways to um to make your processes easier so that way when you calculate things it becomes super easy Hence why, like, the calculator was invented. You know, things that made our life easier are thanks to creative ideas that one person thought of and decided to execute. And that's one of the, and that's kind of one of the reasons why I love producing a podcast because it's ideas wow. that come to life. Yeah. So I really love that. That's awesome. Um, so that was, that's a formation of Sparkle City because he's, like, the very beginning of that. Now, who wrote that um, book? That was uh, uh, Antoine de saint Exuperi. Oh. He was a um, he was a uh, pilot, uh, I think, in World War Two, and then he wrote this book afterwards. Mm -hmm. um, and he and he kind of he's in this book as a character, I think, like a characterized version of himself, where he meets the little prince as 
oh, I'm sorry, Antoine, the uh, the author narrator narrator is the one who's who's uh, uh, aircraft crashes. Oh wow! And that's when he meets the little prince. So little prince has his own his own um, planet, which isn't featured on this book here. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, dude! I, I forgot. I was, I was. Yeah, it's Let really cool. Up. So the and then what? Oh, that's cool. I like yeah, that cover. Yeah, the the pictures are really beautiful. They're very simple. They're easy to read. So a kid can read them, but a parent can also understand just as much out of it as a kid can. Mm -hmm. So that's why I really love it. It's a book for all ages. I love it. Yeah, printed in 1943. So it's been around for for quite some time. It's it's a classic in French um, literary. I think they probably teach it just like they did in in my high school. Wow. Um, I'm going to have to read it. So I'm I'm really grateful I read it. And we also read uh, Jean Paul Sartre as well. <laughs> in high school? Yeah, well, well, in the same Lord. class. <laughs> we learned about we learned about creativity and existentialism. Oh man, you had a good kid. <laughs> we learned it all in the progressive public high school. <laughs> man. On that on that note, what is your second book? Ooh, my second book. Let's uh, let's go with this. Uh, so, uh, the cover's gone. I kind of fucked it up a bit. It's been through a lot. That's the great thing about books is you can have books that have don't have covers, but you'll keep it forever because that was the first copy of a book that you loved. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what is that that book that looks really gnarly? <laughs> it is Stephen King's The Shining, mm, uh, yeah. which you I, I have a feeling you knew that some Stephen King would probably make it into this podcast because... I thought uh, so. I remember yeah. your love of Stephen King. Oh yeah, you gifted me the uh, that Dark Tower collection. Oh yeah, remember we that? Under that different pen name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, um, so uh, what was that name? Uh, Richard Bachman. Richard Bachman. That's right. The mm-hmm. the name he went under before he went under his real name. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. And why The Shining? So The Shining. I actually read it for the first time back when we were roommates. Um, I had some issues sleeping one night, so I, I ended up reading like a good. I think two thirds of it on the on the futon, and um, as you do late at night, read a Stephen King novel. And uh, you know, I was I must have been like twenty three or twenty four, and um, I just the narrative because it, it's it goes very much into the character. If you don't know the story of it, which I'm sure a lot of people do, uh, it's about uh, this kind of out of his luck recovering alcoholic who uh, gets a job to be a caretaker in this hotel, which is up in this, uh, like really secluded part of Colorado up where the ski resorts are called the Overlook hotel. And, uh, this strange kind of supernatural, supernatural force kind of overtakes him. Um, because it's him, his wife and his, his little son, Danny who go up there. And, uh, this, the hotel has a very dark history to it. Just a lot of murder and stuff like that. And, Fun fact, they're actually making an HBO series about the history of the Stanley Hotel, or the, the Overlook Hotel, which is based on an actual hotel called the Stanley Hotel. So think of it like a Shining prequel. Really it's going to be so good. But um, so, yeah, just a lot of horrible things start happening. I mean, you could, you've could probably seen the movie, and you probably know enough about The Shining because it became like a big pop culture thing with the movie, which Stephen King actually doesn't like the movie by Stanley Kubrick. But... Uh, anyway, so I was reading it that one night in our apartment, and there was this one uh, little snippet of it that I don't want to give it away, but Stephen King's really good at getting in your mind. 
And that's the kind of narrative I, I, I like. And that was the first time a book has ever kept me up at night. Like, it's actually scared me. And I'm a big horror fan. I grew up with horror, you know, and I, I love Stephen King. But I still to this day have not had a book keep me up at night until I read that or since I've read that. Um, and I remember you were, you were fast asleep, but I literally <laughs> sat in the living room, just like laid there and I was just questioning everything. <laughs> and I don't, when a book can do that to you, man, there's some sort of power. Like that's something magical. And that that's with the writer, with the story, with everything. And I think that's when I kind of realized, like, that's the kind of thing I want to write. I want to write in the style of like, it may not necessarily be horror, but I want one of my stories to maybe have someone think so hard that they can't go to sleep. Mm-hmm. Is that one of the first times that you experienced something like that? That was the first and only time I have ever experienced something <laughs> like that. To that uh-huh. extent, yeah, that was, and I will never forget that whole night. I remember I was like, I think I was like, I was reading it on the futon. I just kept looking up at the TV, just like staring at myself reading it. Like, I just felt so, you know, into the story. And and the story kind of gets in your mind because the way he writes it, you're almost like the main character when he's kind of going insane at the hotel. And it kind of puts Mm -hmm. these visions and these visuals into your head that aren't always, like, very squeaky clean. And I thought, you know, that kind of writing just absolutely astonishes me. And I've never... I have yet to read anything like that. And yeah, that that mm-hmm. was definitely a game changer in the way I write as well and the way I want to be in, as a writer. So, you know, it's really funny that you mentioned like the whole idea of a book engaging you so much that you read in one night, two thirds of a book like mm-hmm. that. I don't think I have a book that really did that for me. Like, I, I think I was just a different type of reader. Like I read fairly quickly. Like I remember when you read a lot, you would you and sometimes you would devour a book, but for the most part, you were very meticulous in making sure that you understood what was going on. Mm-hmm. I think you even like read out loud to yourself sometimes, and I think I that was do. how. I'm sure you. I'm sure you still do, but that's why like you you absorbed more of the book than I did. Like you would be like you'd be like, do you remember that one time that you did this 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 this? And I was like, well, I remember he did like the first part, <laughs> you know, because like I would. I think I read when I, I think, cause I always, I love to read, but I also have a lot I want to read. So I think that's why I, that's where I falter when I do actually hook up a book is when I go to read, I'm kind of like reading thinking, oh, okay, I got to go through this so I can get to the next book that I'm really excited for. I think that's also my demise as well, but it's I do demise. enough out of it. I mean, not really, but yeah, it's just. It's just you, you. It's a different style of reading. Everyone reads differently, believe me. Mm-hmm. And then there's no good or bad to it. Yeah. Yeah, I think I. I think that's probably why I watch TV more. No. <laughs> I just kind of more absorb. I absorb that kind of information better. You know, people telling me. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe just, maybe that's just why. That's okay. Yeah. Vision like television. The other thing I don't like when you mentioned that actually. It, it, so you're saying one of the negative ways about how I read is sometimes like like dead ass i will have to read a sentence about 15 times and if i don't get it i just my mind just keeps going back and it doesn't happen very often but it happens about like i'd say about 15 times in every book that i read where like i'm just like i need to read that again and it it could be a simple sentence but i don't 
I wasn't able for some reason or another to visualize it in my head. So it's like almost like stopping an episode of a TV show and like it just skips to another scene and you have to keep going back and back until you get it. So mm-hmm. yeah, that I don't yeah, like. That's true. That's- <laughs> yeah, I guess everyone has a different way of learning and absorbing information. So I think that's that's kind of one of the beautiful things about being human is like we just have to find that how how we work better. You know, I I found out recently that I work better with to-do lists and things, you know, and having no minimal distractions. So, mm-hmm. you know, who yeah, maybe that's why. There you go. On to my second book. So yeah. this is a weird this is a weird indirect um inspiration, but it's um, it was one of the first um, game show related, I think it was one of the first game show related autobiographies that I bought. Um, back, it's called Backstage at the, with the Original Hollywood Square by Peter Marshall, who was oh, the original wow. host of the game show. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved it. I love the fact it, it just essentially is autobiography. Peter Marshall, of course, is the host of uh, Hollywood Squares, most notably. It was one of the um, he got to start working at a Kel- as a Kellogg's spokesperson. I want to see if there's a picture of it because it's so great. Um, oh my god, look how cute he is in the, on the left there or oh, left or right, whatever you're on. Okay, okay, talking that, wow. Talking, that, talking those cornflakes or those uh, they called them snack jumbo assortments request request pack. I don't know, maybe it's always like a sample pack. Oh. You know, those like little sample packs they still make. Anyways, I think because of that gig he was discovered by the producer of Hollywood squares to host the show. Wow. Hollywood squares was one of the first times I first game shows. I recall a fairly openly queer person on the show. And that person was Paul Lynn who can kind of be seen on the back of in the center of the, he's always the center square of Hollywood squares, which by the way, was like a celebrity tic-tac-toe. It's kind of hard. Always on the back too, but, um, He's on the back there on the bottom, bottom there ish. Oh, okay. okay, okay. Um, wow. I've had this book so long. This is a Borders tag. Do you remember Borders? Yeah. Oh, I remember <laughs> Borders. We had a friend that worked there. I remember Emily? Borders. I miss them so much. <gasps> yeah. She, um, that's now a, that air, that building that the Borders she worked at is now a rock climbing gym. <laughs> I, was, I can see through the windows when I drive, when the train goes by. It's so crazy. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it was one of the first times that I had experienced somebody on that show. And Peter Marshall tells some really fascinating stories about um, they did a kids version of Hollywood Squares called Storybook Squares oh. in here, which is the first time this is the book I first time I re- remember realized they had that. Mm-hmm. So Pauline would be on it. They'd always put Pauline in drag like they would make him as the Wicked Witch of the West. <laughs> if Margaret Havel wasn't available, you know, characters from the past and, and characters that kids would would, re- would recognize, mm-hmm. um, especially fictional characters. But I thought that was very, like, homophobic because, like, you know, Pauline was always, like, the discarded character. And I've I've talked about this on one of my previous episodes mm-hmm. um, in relation to the Ho- Pauline Hollywood special, mm-hmm. Halloween special, rather. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time that I had, like, realized he was queer and second of all there's also this is a little in this is the indirect reference to sparkleson's inspiration is paul Lind. granted this book is by peter marshall who hosted the show he's on this actually has a cd in the back that had oh, wow. singers so in the uh during the show they would um give the questions to the celebrities before the show aired and the mm. celebrity could make up like they can make up jokes to like go with the question mm. and then um 
and they could write their own material. That's what Paul Lynn did. And his writing was so good. It was so funny. His wit was like dead on. His timing was perfect and impeccable. And he had this material already in his like side pocket mm -hmm. ready to go. So he could, so he could pull it off effortlessly. And this is the first time that I experienced uh -oh. a queer person who asked for help into creating a, his own personality and wow. character. And that's how he became, and he became so popular. He was the center square for the rest of the, it's run in the show. So um, Pauline is a huge inspiration to Sparkle Sid. And that's why I thank Peter Marshall for writing this book because the zingers in the Hollywood squares CD that's in this back of this book that he, that Peter Marshall was so generous in, in getting the, the clearance to put in his book is like the best thing that's ever happened to my, my show business career. Wow. Okay. 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 So, so that's the formative thing. To to... I didn't know that history. That's really interesting. Yeah. Um, I, I'll, I'll save it for those who want to listen to it. Um, it's a very short episode, actually, if you want to listen to it, Dave, it's about the, it's like an audio essay format about the show and how queer characters were looked upon in the sh in show business. And I really, really wanted to highlight that. So I'm, I'm so happy that I did that yeah. in, in time, just in time for spooky Halloween. Ooh. Actually, there's a really, really relevant, there's a joke really relevant to these times. Uh, Halloween falls right before election day. Oh, I probably just ruined the joke, but um, <laughs> on, in his, in his opening monologue, he says, there's a scary holiday coming up election day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> which I thought was very ironic because this year was like a very stressful election day for people. It became oh, election like yeah. a month. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh God. The way things are going. But anyways, um, yeah, so that's, uh, that's a memory that I have. Um, one of the, one of the first things and I still have this book, obviously to this day, because I bought it at Borders. Rest what? in peace, Paul Landon Borders. <laughs> <laughs> now, what did you buy that then? Was that in Chicago? It was probably in St. Louis at one time. I remember going to a Borders multiple times and just reading. I remember reading a magazine and reading about the musical Rent for the first time in the uh, story of Jonathan Larson, which we also talk about in my musicals episode with R. Marshall, by the way, everybody. Dear listeners, go watch, go listen to episode number 11. Everything comes together. It's so crazy like how all these like... <laughs> elements in my life are just like already out there for everyone to indulge and enjoy i mean remember when we, you and i went to when a chorus line came to chicago for like five nights and we were there like pretty much every night and yeah. the cast started recognizing us yes actually it was worse when i i'm gonna i'm gonna leave my other chicago theater experiences out of it this because one i've i've talked a little bit about that in my musicals episode so it's to ruin the spoilers but I did talk about seeing a chorus line with you, mm -hmm. and I remember uh, I remember seeing them. It was the touring cast of the chorus mm -hmm. line, and yeah, they did. They started to because we like for some reason we would get like student rush tickets, like twenty five dollars mm -hmm. a piece, which was great. great in the a front steal. row, in the front, and row. we would get the front row a couple times. We did. It was great. Like, oh. what bougie rich person could not go to a chorus line and get front row center and then not want their seats? Like, what? Well, we gotta thank them because they gave it to us. <laughs> I'm about to say they're lost, you know. So, oh, goodness, that was great. I, I, such great experiences. Oh my um, god, I love it. Uh, what is your third book? My Mr. third Dave? book. Well, this was a no-brainer for me. <laughs> that was a bad flip. I just bent it. Um, <laughs> I don't know. But the third book I picked is by one of the greatest fiction writing authors of anyone's time, of the 
since the dawn of time. Uh, the guy was familiar or is recognized as kind of uh, bringing modern fiction, modern writing to the world. And I actually picked his memoir. Uh, it's called A Movable Feast by Ernest Hemingway. Ooh, Ernest Hemingway. Yes. Good one. He, uh, so on my 27th birthday, actually, I went to Miami and I went down to, I drove down to Key West and I actually got to see his house down there, which was amazing. Oh. He has, yeah. I kid you not, he has 30 cats roaming the, the whole grounds and they all have six feet on each paw. Think about that. Huh. I know. Crazy stuff. It, there's a special there's a special name for the kind of cat that is, but the, the the family, I guess they still own the property and they it's his and yeah. They're still there. The cats are still around. It's a lot of pussy there. <laughs> oh there uh, is, yes. Um, <laughs> um, I was trying to figure out a way to get out of that without like going there. But no, well, I was like, we yeah. There. So all all those cats were his, and they're still there. Mm-hmm. They were still part of the uh, family, which I thought was really cool. Uh, but regardless, the reason I picked this book. Uh, so for all you who don't know, uh, this is about right before he wrote "The Sun Also Rises," which is technically his first novel. That you know, and um, it's about his time in Paris, right before he started writing it. Um, and it goes very much into Parisian culture back then. Paris was actually a huge literary uh, space back then. So he ran into people like Gertrude Stein, the F. Scott Fitzgerald, and uh, he goes into a lot of that. And I remember the first time I read this was in a travel and fiction writing class, right when I switched my major into fiction writing. And the first chapter is about him just going to this like little cafe right when it's basically like right now when it's turning into winter and it's getting colder and it's this little cafe and he's just like sitting there watching all the people. There's this girl that walks in and he's just kind of infatuated with and how she just like, he was writing something and she just automatically became part of the story. And that's how easy it is for writers to find inspiration. And, and I remember reading that first chapter and I was automatically hooked, not just with, uh, with Ernest Hemingway's writing and his storytelling, but I was hooked into the, uh, I guess you would call it the topic of location and space and how an author writes about space. And it kind of inspired my life in general to start traveling more. Like uh, uh, Sid and I have been to Montreal and Toronto. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, we had this Canadian phase and it's, <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Uh, I still actually, I still do. And I'm actually proud to say that I, the predominant people that listen to my podcast, yes, you dear listeners, more than ever, there are more Canadians listening to my show. So there wow. is something there. So you're not just my hat. You, ooh, you are my everything, <laughs> Canadian listeners. My hair is such a mess there. Did you see that? Oh my God. <laughs> I was like, woo! <laughs> it was like, have you ever, uh, Weird Al put out a album that, that made fun of a coolio Bad called Bad Hair Day. Bad and his hair, hair day. his hair was it looked exactly like that. Oh God, what's mine like? Oh. Uh, much better than mine. Like mine's like, whoa, oh my gosh. <laughs> 
me. Oh, goodness me. Thank goodness this is an audio audio yeah. show. Oh, yeah, really. Thank God. Less people will know about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Oh, vanity. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, you and I, when we lived together and, you know, through Canada and St. Louis trips and our California trips, I mean, one of my best memories with you is uh, driving through Death Valley to get to L.A. You remember that? That was Yeah. That was um, amazing. And A Movable Feast is definitely the book I credit to me wanting to travel more and see more of the world. And um, I actually, the, the novelette I'm working on and finished over quarantine, it takes place in Italy. And I did spend some time over in Italy and, and in Europe uh, one year. And uh, I always had this story I wanted to finally get on the paper. And I did. I took the time in quarantine to write it. And a lot of that's kind of inspired by Hemingway's writing here in a movable feast. And it's just a book mm-hmm. that's never really left me ever. Like even in my mind and my daily life, it's uh, it's definitely one of those books where there's not like, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily, there's like a lot of action or anything, but the way he just describes Paris, the way he just describes his interactions with his normal friends and family. And just from an artistic standpoint, it's just, it's just amazing. Like it's just it's some of the most beautiful writing I've ever I've ever read. And that even that first chapter, I reread it today before the show. Um and uh yeah, I still it still makes me kind of like feel really nostalgic about not just the past but also the future, which I don't know if that nostalgic's the right word because that's the opposite of the future, but it's just it it there's just a, this beauty in it. This this unrelenting beauty. So yeah, that's why I picked it. Mm-hmm. And Hemingway is a fucking amazing writer. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say Ernest Hemingway is like the one of the multitude of legends that every person, you know, there's no you don't have to be a specific type of person to read this book. Mm-hmm. If you are a human and you can read, read it. <laughs> oh yeah, you know. And Hemingway writes a lot about the human condition, and he is very blunt with it too, which has uh, always been inspiring to me as well. Like just the way he looks at mm-hmm. the world, I think there's a there's a certain hardness to it, but there's also a certain realness to it that I think you know a lot of people could take away from or kind of even relate to. I think that's why he's such a popular writer too. Everyone can relate mm-hmm. to his characters, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and it's really interesting you bring up the whole nostalgia aspect of it, um, as far as um, creating those memories in different places that you have traveled to. Um, a lot of that kind of nostalgic ideas and um, using those moments from the past to create something new is <laughs> transitioning into my new book, oh. my third book rather, not my new book, my, my new book, by the way, by Sparkle Signal. <laughs> What's that called? It's called Issues, Boundaries, and Secrets. <laughs> Ooh, I like, I like. Very enticing, right? Daddy uh, likes. Yeah. So my my third book uh, is very nostalgic for many reasons. Um. So it was a oh, it probably came on the early 2000s. Um, queer culture had just culminated again to a new height after Queerest Folk had just finished mm-hmm. the, the, the Showtime TV oh, show. Yeah. So a lot of people were capitalizing on the whole idea of like queer culture being a, a new kind of subculture of human life. So they were catering to it. So a publisher in Los Angeles hired a editor named by the name of Richard Andrioli, mm-hmm. who's a fabulous writer. 
his partner also designs Disney memorabilia, which I think is like Disney snow globes and stuff, I think, oh, or like wow. last time I checked. Okay. Really, okay. really interesting stuff. So they're both in LA doing their thing. He still writes. He does lots of great things. I found out about this book from board. I think it's from Borders. Oh my gosh. Oh, Going back to Borders. borders. I still miss you, Borders. <laughs> borders. This, this episode is, uh, is made in memorandum of Borders. Oh, borders. We, uh, borders books, I think it was called Borders Books and Things or something. What was the full so, title? Uh, borders. borders. Books, books and Music or something. Books, and, books um, Music, Movies. Something like that. Something like that. I just, yeah, I just, I just miss them. I just, they just do, they just do a better job than Barnes and Noble. I just don't. Mm. Mm. Sorry, BN. <laughs> <laughs> I <would> say. <laughs> oh my god! I can make a joke. I can make it. I can make a joke, but I'm not going to. <laughs> um, you can figure it out to your listeners. Read between the lines. Um, so, anyways, it was a book. So it was like it was essentially a book that was curated in magazine style. So it, it has different chapters that are different articles mm. about different types of media, queer media that queer people stereotypically enjoy and indulge. Mm -hmm. However, I did buy it as, as an inkling. It was one of the first times that it had come out that I bought this book mm -hmm. and it had been instrumental to like 90% of my queer related life. I've learned about things that I still love to this day. There's lots of a hundred things the only, the one thing, the biggest standout is called Mondo Homo. Oh, <laughs> so Mondo big old Homo. homo. So, uh, <laughs> it's I think I think he's doing a um a, a British hand, rude hand gesture there. Like, isn't that um, a, isn't that like the British middle finger? I think it is. But maybe I'll try it. But anyways, it looks like a magazine, you know, and it has like the articles on the side, mm. um, and it has some some things highlighted from different uh, things that you should know about. Um, and a lot of the articles are about the media that the queer people were fond of growing up. So like there's a one did something on the Rocky Horror Picture Show, Ooh. the movie Midnight Express, which has a um, has a small gay uh, gay scene in the article in question, though, there was actually little like side moments, kind of like how those little quizzes in Cosmo were in, like the top right corner of of different articles. It's kind of mm -hmm. like that vein. There's a um, section called, it's in here, I can't really say it actually, called Modern Gay, sorry, Modern Camp Movies You Must Know and Why. I'm going to read you the why of this of this film and see if you can guess what it is. Okay, okay that's okay. a little quiz for you. Dude. All right, let's do it. The story of a muse who inspires a young man and Gene Kelly to achieve their dreams of opening uh -huh. a roller disco nightclub. What that's, movie is that, Dave? Uh, oh, it's... Uh... It's, it's Xanadu. How could it not be Xanadu? Dear listeners, Mondo Homo, by edited by Richard Andrelli, is my first introduction to Xanadu. Yes, dear listeners, you've heard that right. <laughs> Exclusive. Pew, pew, pew. 100%. Um, very first time I was introduced to the movie, I was like, oh, that sounds like fun. Disco. I like disco. <laughs> uh, little did I know, I would become a Xana ho. <laughs> You sure were. You sure I, are. My bad. <laughs> Seriously though, like I remember. So we went. Uh, we were talking about our uh, Chicago-related theater experience. Theater experiences. Xanadu had uh, had started its tour in Chicago, and I saw that MFR like what fourteen times. You know. Yep, I remember so, that. So similar in the same vein of a chorus line. I actually. <laughs> I, they started to recognize me like to the point where like they didn't have student rush tickets at that time, but they had 
like on stage seating. So there, it was kind of like not the best seat, but you got to be on stage and kind of be a part of the cast in a little way. And there were moments in the show where like uh, at the beginning when all the muses come out and they're like, I'm alive. Mm -hmm. There was a moment where legit one of the evil muses looked me right in the eyes and just winked at me like, Hey darling, how are you? And I was just like, and later that, uh, later that, show they it was one of the final shows that they were doing i think and they were they played out they 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 put you in a there's certain seats that people get interacted with more mm -hmm. and there's a moment where the evil muses are like rubbing up on somebody and i was that somebody in that in that in that oh, show shit. there was a moment where they planted kisses on my cheeks and i had no idea that they left like intense red lipstick marks <laughs> <laughs> And I walked out of there and looked in the mirror. I was mortified. I had no idea. I had that the rest of the show. And I had I just thought they kissed me. It was and and they they dropped me like a little like chocolate uh kiss, like chocolate wrapper. Like it looked like it was in the shape of a, a set of lips. It was chocolate wrapped. I was like, oh, that's so cute. <laughs> I, love I can that. explain why they gave you chocolate, because they they just, you know, they just made you made you crazy. Oh. But yeah, Xanadu goes back a long ways for me. And the fact that it's in a book, mm -hmm. um, it's in a book of reading rainbow. Oh. Back to the beginning. <laughs> we just came full circle. <laughs> Ooh, that, David? We just can't we just went full circle. We went, we started and ended at reading rainbow. There we because go. Because reading is fundamental or <laughs> fundamental as they say. Oh. Buy my zine fundamentals at vicariousmedia.com slash shop. Nice plug, nice plug. Uh, speaking of plugs, <laughs> we are coming up. <laughs> that just made me think of Tobias getting the plugs in his hair in Arrested Development. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Arrested Development. Oh, so good. Oh, dear listeners, Dave and I watched the Arrested Development. I think we watched, it was the first time we watched Arrested Development together. Yeah. And then the, the Netflix, whole thing. And it was like right before the, Net the Netflix revival came out. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. So much fun mm -hmm. um, among other things <laughs> ah, ah. speaking of la that kind of laughter liza darling are you listening i want to be your host and i want to talk to you about your time on arrested development and was she did she fall down those the blue stairs one time yeah. did she get like pushed down the stairs like showgirl style yeah i think she did didn't she <laughs> i think so <laughs> <laughs> oh my god I, God, she was like dealing with vert she was dealing with like the shivers, vertigo. She was dealing with memory loss, dementia. Good lord! Oh, Liza, her character had had so much going on. Liza, oh, I want to know what was going on in your head when you played that character, darling. Seriously, <laughs> call me up. Lucille oh, too. Gosh. That was her name. Yep. Oh yes, yeah. She wasn't even to Lucille once. So like, how did Liza? You played second fiddle to the entire cast. <laughs> and you're a legend. Why? Tell me, tell me more, darling. Um, anyways, <laughs> speaking of plugging things. <laughs> yes, of course. Where on social media, on your website, where can we find you, David? Well, you can <laughs> see me playing with myself um, on, uh, what's it called? OnlyFans. Uh, <clears throat> you know, I got to say, though, a lot of people are starting OnlyFans these days. Oh, I know. Tough, so it's, it's a viable option. It's not, I'm not, I'm not saying anything bad no, about it me either daddy knows daddy knows i'm your dapper daddy so you know <laughs> we know <laughs> but oh um so you could find me on instagram 
uh, just look up David Carp. Uh, my handle is DK24601. That's uh, a reference to another amazing novel, Les Miserables. Mm. That uh, I actually, one of the things that I'm kind of doing now that kind of came out of nowhere. So I started this little like episodic uh, little show on Instagram where I try different fruit for the first time. I was just about to inquire about that because I when we were talking about you uh, trying new experiences with with uh, with with like media, the stuff that I introduced mm-hmm. you to, like Xanadu, you know, mm-hmm. you, you were just you, you you it was your first time trying a lot of foods, and I the fact that you're doing this, I love this. Can you explain this what you're doing? Yeah, totally. So um, it kind of started, uh, and my friend Ty, if I don't give her credit for actually having the idea to film it. She'll kill me. So that's her thing. But uh, so we were just out once and I mentioned to a lot of people that like I, I tried my first strawberry when I was 23 years old and I tried my first orange when I was like 20. So we were near this fruit stand and there was a pear there. And I just mentioned that I never I've never had a pear until about three weeks ago. Like I never bit mm-hmm. into one, never nothing. So I we decided mm-hmm. to buy one. And uh, she just filmed it for nostalgia's sake. And I posted it on Instagram and it kind of blew up. And I just had this idea, well, I'm going to write a list of all the fruit I haven't had, uh, which a lot of people probably have had. And I'm just going to keep filming this once a week and we'll see what happens. Uh, So uh, like last week was an Asian pear. Uh, We just filmed our next one, uh, which I'm not going to say the fruit. Sorry. It's uh, it's a surprise, but you'll have to watch to find out. <laughs> and that's our longest episode yet, so I'm almost done editing that, and um, mm. so that's going to be up on Instagram pretty soon. And uh, so yeah, you can find me there on Instagram uh, if you want to watch a 30 year old man try fruit for the first time. <laughs> uh, that's always a viable option. And uh, <laughs> we actually, uh, me and my other friend here, Rodney, we actually just finished up editing uh, our first YouTube episode for a series we're doing uh, for travel. So uh, we're, yeah, so we're pretty That's excited cool. for that. Yep. It's called uh, Make a Cook. It's going to be up on YouTube. I'll probably post a link on my social media. So Instagram, Facebook, uh, it's just my regular name, Dave Carp on Facebook. And yeah, so that's where you can find me. And that's what I've kind of been up to amongst the mm-hmm. whole writing stuff. And the novelette is going to come out. I don't know what kind of platform it's going to come out in, but there's going to be stuff coming pretty soon. So mm-hmm. I'm pretty excited for that. And if you want to find me on OnlyFans, just look up Big Brown Daddy 69. Noted. Um, <laughs> 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 um, on that note, oh my goodness, why do I have to? Why do I have to? Why do I have to? get myself out of that one and it was all all yours um <laughs> there's a lot of things that i get myself into that i have to pull out of as well well on that note um <laughs> dave <laughs> thank you so much for being on the show i am so glad i am your most recent fruit that you've tried oh <laughs> gotcha oh that was a good one i was I'm waiting to do that i was like Where, where's that joke i'm finding a joke in, the, in this episode somewhere um yeah oh my gosh seriously uh i'm so glad you came on the show to thank you for having me oh my gosh so much fun and it was fun to reminisce and have a good time i hope oh yeah i hope we didn't i didn't i hope we didn't confuse you dear listeners with our timeline i was trying to get an idea of like where you know where we met and when we 
interacted and where we are now. So it's funny because we've only scratched the surface too. <laughs> yeah, but... just a little nick, just a little nick, you know, <laughs> a little, little, like yeah, little two oh fingers. Actually, do you remember? I'm gonna. Speaking of nicks, um, mm-hmm. do you remember when I cut my thumb? <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. You were literally. I think it was like right after winter break. I had some homework to do. Oh my god. I was cutting a project up. And, uh, I was using a big ass exacto knife, like a utility blade. And I, you were, you had just like, you had just gotten home for gotten to back to Chicago from winter break, mm-hmm. and I like was as I as I was cutting, I turned my head to see you, and the blade goes right through my thumb, like in my seriously like I would have needed stitches. It was that bad. I was bleeding all over. We wrapped that. it in like a shit ton of tissue paper. We were um, like the kitchen sink you had. We were like running the water down. It, yeah. yeah, it was so uncomfortable. I remember the next morning I went to the doctor at the the college and she had like pulled off all the stuff that we'd wrapped it in. And I just remember seeing my skin and I could see inside my thumb and I was like, oh my God, it was so, it was so bad. Um, sorry to be off graphic to your listeners, but, um, but to this day, I, my, it cut through the nail. My nail still hasn't grown back. There's still a little bit of like a, so I have that memory and, and like scars. a mini scar. <laughs> and a be and a mini little a little mini scar on the thumb, but like, uh, yeah, literally scratched the surface and mm-hmm. not just my thumb. <laughs> Do you remember um, you, you've actually been injured ahead. a few times when we've had our time together? I remember the time when we were at that ABBA cover band in the Seven Eleven parking lot, and <gasps> why, Sid and why I, was I? Uh, Sid and I were dancing, and then he danced his face into my shoulder. <laughs> just he went down and just I decked him in the face. I'm not gonna lie, I was dancing, decked him right in the face. He started bleeding all over the place. I remember we were we had to go back to my my apartment to to like get fixed up or just, like just stop bleeding. And like I remember we were walking out of the parking lot and some guy got so scared. He's like, "Oh, that guy just punched that motherfucker in the face." <laughs> I legit heard that. I was like, no, oh, no, 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 no. It was an accident. We were having a good time. It was fine. It was fine. Some dangerous dancing, my friend. Oh, my God. I don't even remember. We were, like, hopping around or something. Gosh. Yeah, we were doing something stupid. It actually may have been for 16 Candles, that 80s band that we always went to go see that we loved. Oh, it could have been. We mm-hmm. saw it on the – it was, like, the same play. It was the same – around the same day. It was, it was probably the same day, I think. But... It was market days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was. I think we saw them both on the same day, but we just had that moment where we had to like we had to go home for a second. <laughs> oh. oh my goodness! Yeah, it's uh, it's, well, it's been a grand time talking to you, Dave. Yeah, I, totally. It's always a pleasure to come together. We've gone way over. <laughs> but who knows? Who cares? Lots of great content with you. Um, I'm so happy you shared your 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 three books, and I hope you, dear listeners, will take away those books and read them if you haven't and if you have i hope you cherish them as much as we have all six books oh, yeah. including mine mm-hmm. um i hope yeah, you cherish yeah. them in the way that we have and the great thing is we, we can come together to talk about these things even from afar you know new york to chicago and you know we're separated but we can still come come together to talk about these things and that's a beautiful thing it's always great when we come together. with that dave i thank you so much for your time you are a national treasure to the world you are a humble you are a humble hero and yay the tambourine makes an appearance 
Super Funkin' Serious with Sparkle Sid is a production of Vicarious Media, LLC. Starring and produced by yours truly, John Dyson. Edited and co-produced by Gabriel Schubert. For more information about today's guest or the media we mentioned in today's episode, please see the show notes in your local podcasting app or visit vicariousmedia.com slash podcast. This is Sparkle Sid signing off for another episode of Super Funkin' Serious. We hope to see you next Thursday for another fantastic episode of Sheiky Chat. Also, don't forget to be your funking best, and I'll see you next time. Goodbye, beautiful darlings and gal pals. Mwah! <laughs> <laughs>